that's why we're here, because we believe that. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for being our guiding light, and thank you for giving us your word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And God, we pray right now you would send the Holy Spirit to open this word to our lives individually and personally so that we can hear from you and we can know how you love us and we can love you in return because you first loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a seat. And if you have your scriptures with you, turn to the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians, one of my favorite books in all the Bible. I keep saying that, but all of them are practically my favorites. But for different reasons, and I'm going to tell you why about Philippians this morning. Philippians is probably the most personal of all of Paul's letters to the churches, and it's certainly the most encouraging. I love this book. It's such an encouraging book. And I'll tell you, I, I, I tell you a little bit of the historical context. Philippi was the first place. Remember when, when, when Paul saw in, in uh, Acts the vision uh, from Macedonia? And, 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 the, and the vision said, come over and help us. And so when Paul went, first place he went was Philippi. Now some of us, a couple of years ago, went to Philippi. And uh, at that time, it, it wasn't a huge metropolis. It was, it was just a passageway uh, from Europe to Asia. Uh, but it was the first church established in Europe and, and when Paul went there. And as far as we can tell, there wasn't any synagogue there. Um, there was simply, after Paul was there, a meeting place. And the original core of that original church in Europe was uh, made up of basically three core members. First was a businesswoman. Her name was Lydia. She had a family. She was a seller of purple. Lydia was Paul's first convert in Europe. Then there was a slave girl, and then also a jailer with a family. Well, there's now a, um, a, a church uh, by what's called Lydia's Stream. Uh, this was purportedly the place where they would meet for prayer and establish the church. We went there. I baptized several of you in, uh, in uh, Lydia's Stream. Almost lost one of you. <laughs> hate it when that happens, but the bottom was slippery, you know. The current was swift, and this guy was bigger than I was, you know, so... Almost lost him downstream, Bill Hevner, but uh, he survived. We all did. Uh, but it's, 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 it's just a, such a, a, a wonderful place. And, and, and let me tell you the character of this place. And it's the character of this letter. And it's the character that I want to convey to you this morning. And that's why we're reading from the book of Philippians. The Macedonians, <coughs> excuse me, had a different kind of uh, mentality. Every section of the world has a little different mentality. Um, it has a, di a little different culture to it. The Macedonians weren't like the Athenians. The Athenians were skeptical and philosophical. And so when Paul went to Athens, um, you can read about the Mars Hill Dialogue. He, he argued from a philosophical standpoint, mainly an intellectual standpoint. When Paul went to the church of Corinth, um, he, 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 he argued uh, from the body standpoint because the church of Corinth uh, was a very sensual culture. Um, and so uh, he, 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 had a, he had a different kind of, of uh, um, um, theology in dealing with them. But when he came to Macedonia, Macedonians were very straightforward people, very affectionate people, very simple people. And that's why I love the book of Philippians. It's a very simple, straightforward book. It's a letter to these people that he loved. And, and, and Paul uses the occasion 
of their gathering an offering for his ministry to express how much he appreciates their partnership in the ministry that goes way beyond their impoverished church. Remember how poor the churches were in Macedonia. Read, uh, beginning with um, um, verse 10, these verses with me. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, now that at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked the opportunity. Now, here's, here's the first thing I want to tell you. Paul, in all of his theological brilliance, was, was writing this church with a certain disposition, a certain heart. I, I listened to my friend Clark Whitten on the TV last night. Every once in a while I turn in TV preachers, especially if I know him. And I, I turn in Clark every once in a while. And, and, and last night he said something that fit right in here. He said, you know, your disposition is more important than your position. I like that. Your disposition is more important than your position. Paul had all kinds of theological positions. But Paul also wrote, you can have all knowledge, all wisdom, so as to move mountains. But if you don't have love, you've got nothing. You see, we have opinions in the church. And we'll have different positions in the church. That's part of who we are. And some of us will be right and some of us will be wrong. And you know what? Nobody will know who's right and wrong really till the end. And we'll all know that in heaven. But we hold these positions. The important thing, though, is not that we all agree on our positions. It's that we all have the right disposition. And Paul was writing this. He says, you know what? I love this, that you have revised your concern for me. And then he races in his mind to say, wait a minute. They might take that as a slam. He says, I know you were always concerned, but you didn't have the opportunity See, he races to their side and he races to rescue them because part of the dividends of investing eternally, part of, the, part of the character we get from Christ right now that never touches the principle, that just comes right back to us, part of those dividends is how he changes our character. And Paul had become an encourager. Can you imagine that? This guy who went around murdering the church at one time had become an encourager. And we know he's an encourager because that's what encouragers do. They see things from the other person's standpoint. I went out yesterday, Becky and I and, and our grandson Noah went, went to our first um, visit of what I call our St. Francis of Assisi ministry. St. Francis of Assisi, of course, was the, was the uh, monk who loved animals. And, uh, and there are a group of people here who take dogs to nursing homes. Uh, some of them have been rescued greyhounds. Some of them are house pets, but, but they take them to nursing homes. And, 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 you know, with some of these folks, uh, they don't like adults very well because they just, you know, are. But, boy, you get a dog in a room and they just start grinning. And these, and these dogs, uh, you know, dogs and babies get to places in your lives that nobody else can get, right? How many of you like dogs better than adults? I mean, yeah, sure. Because they're encouragers, aren't they? They, they, just, they just kind of get to your, they get to your heart. And, and, and so we went and we just watched this. It was so much fun just watching these people light up. But after the dogs and the babies left, sometimes I was the only one left in the room, so I started up a conversation. And one of the things I love to do is I love to hear about people's background. Where'd you come from? Tell me about when you were a kid. Boy, they just lit up. Because people... 
love to be heard. People love to be understood where they're coming from. We were out, we were out in the hallway. And, and some, one of the, the nursing home administrators introduced me to a, to a former preacher. Well, he's still a preacher, as a matter of fact. Preachers don't retire. Preachers just keep on preaching. doesn't matter where they are. And sure enough, I met him. I said, he said, well, I've been a preacher since I was like 16 years old. And he just started preaching. And then he started, and then he burst into song. You know, we're standing around, you know, and there's dogs. I'm just got the dogs didn't go, whoo, whoo. But he burst into song. Well, it was great. We loved it. He got done. We go, amen, brother. He goes, I got another one. Burst into another song. And then a lady in a wheelchair burst into a song of her own. I mean to tell you, it was the sweetest moment. Why? Because they, they were the givers. And we were understanding them and seeing life from their standpoint. That's, that's what Paul was doing. That's what an encourager is to see something from their standpoint. And so he says, I, I want to tell you, I, I, I see it from your standpoint. I, I don't think you had the opportunity before. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that's what he wanted to believe. One of the things I love about this process is the testimonies I'm getting one at a time. Not only from the church, there are churches. Do you realize there are churches like this Macedonian church that cannot afford to give us anything. And they're giving to this, to this thing. The church in New Hampshire, they're trying to hire a preacher. They're trying to build a building. They haven't got any money. They're taking up an offering once a quarter to give to, the, to here. Isn't that unbelievable? There's the, 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 the Bridgeway Church just started three weeks ago. They gave a thousand bucks. They haven't got that money. But there's one church after another that just wants to participate with us like we are participating with other churches. It's way cool. There, I'm, 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 hearing, I'm hearing more and more people of what, what God is speaking in their hearts. And they're just, to hear from their standpoint what God is doing is just so refreshing and just makes you rejoice in the Lord. Well, Paul goes on to say this. Not that I speak from want. He's, he's very quick to say, this is not about the offering itself. Not that I speak from want. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled. Now, I want you to know in Greek, this is the, this is the word for, for feeding animals. It could, it could literally mean, I know the secret of being foddered. Do you know the difference between an animal and a human? An animal quits eating when he's full. And so what he's saying is, you know, I, I, know, I, know how to be, I know how to be filled and to quit when I'm full. And he also says, and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. Let's, let's take that just for a moment. Um, this is the opposite mentality from the world. The world says, get all you can. That's what's happening with the Pokemon thing right now. You understand? I, I don't know what Pokemon is. I know it means pocket monster. But, and somebody taught me last night. Because I'm thinking, why would a kid choke his teacher for taking these cards away? And, and, but, but I understand. Because somebody explained to me, the object of this thing is to collect all of them. Is to get all of them. That's how you win. That's pretty much how you win in the world, isn't it? Get all of it. And, and what Paul is saying here, say, you know what? I made a decision. 
This I learned is in the aorist tense. It means at one time in my life, I decided. I made a decision that I would be content with whatever I had. You know, you don't, you're never content until you decide to be content. Anybody ever heard? You, ne- you, can't, you can't satisfy your way into contentment. There's got to be a time in your life when you say, God, you're God. You know what I need. You provide all your children. So whatever you give me, that's what I'm going to be content with. And that's what Paul was saying. I learned a long time ago. I decided a long time ago I'd be content. Whether I had enough or didn't have enough. It was always enough with God. And I learned how to, how to be filled and say it's enough. And I learned how to go hungry. Some of you this week learned how to go to hunger, didn't you? You learned, how, you learned that in Christ, even when you're hungry, there's a sufficiency because you've got a relationship that you're building there and not just a resistance to hunger. Some of you have been fasting with us all week. And you know, and you know there are distractions. The other day, Beck and I were at the mall, sixth day of a fast. Haven't eaten anything. We've pretty much stayed away from the smell of food because that's one of the things that you do when you're fasting, just so you're not distracted. So we're going, and I'm wheeling Noah, and, and, and you know how the little perfume counters, you can stop and spray yourself and get, you know, free smell. And so she always does that. She tries different stuff, and they have different perfumes that smell like different stuff. And so she came around and she said, Hunter, you want to you smell this? I said, what is it? And she said, cake batter. <laughs> so I'm riding home in a car with a woman that smells like cake batter. <laughs> now, any Freudian worth his salt could really have fun with that, but let's not go there. <laughs> the point is, there's going to be a little distractions. But what's really important is that we're learning that Christ is sufficient. That we already, you don't have to get anything because you already have all you need. We don't have to do anything in this church. We already have all we need in Christ. It doesn't matter what comes next. We have what we need in Christ. It's not a matter of need. It's a matter of obedience from now on. Okay? So therefore, there's this perfect relaxation. Now look at what it says. It says... Um, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It, there's a difference in the, in the, in the uh, contentment that comes from cutting yourself off from other people. This contentment, this, this, the word is autarkos in, uh, in uh, uh, Greek, and we get the word autonomous from it. But it's different from the world's autonomy. Uh, in, in, in Greek, uh, in, in, the, in the Stoic uh, uh, religion or, or philosophy, and in many Eastern philosophies, you, you, you become autonomous, you become content, you become self-sufficient by cutting yourself off about caring for anything. That's where we get the whole whatever attitude. It's whatever. What you've just tried to do is cut yourself off from caring so that you don't hurt or so that you don't get creamed. This sufficiency doesn't go there. This sufficiency says my sufficiency is not in not caring, but in having Christ. That, that, that testimony that you see in your, in the, on the front page is about a woman who, who went through some horrible times. Horrible times. But she was okay because Christ became her husband when her husband divorced, divorced her. 
Christ became her friend when she was lonely. And she learned that I can do all things through Christ, in Christ, who strengthens me. Even stuff I don't want to do. See, that's, we always pray, God, give me strength. But it's usually for strength, stuff we want, isn't it? What about, have we ever prayed, God, give me strength to do stuff I don't want? Some of you, I, I had a conversation with a woman a couple of weeks ago who was in an affair. She knew it was wrong. She knew it was wrong. She knew she had to give that up, and she didn't want to. She loved this guy. She tried to justify that all, you know, every, everybody in any kind of immorality always try to justify it. Well, the Lord will understand. You know, she knew, she'd, she knew she was just kidding herself. She was mocking the justice of God. She knew that. And so she was willing, watch this, to do something she didn't want to do because she had Christ. That was her alternative. Not just doing the right thing. This is not a Dr. Laura thing. Sometimes you need, if, it's just, if it's just about morality, you need a kick in the seat of the pants. But for the really deep things in life, it's not about morality. It's about a relationship with Christ. And if you don't have that personal relationship, you're just not going to have what you need in order to get to the person you were made to be. Okay, read on with me. So, so far, imparted dividends here are encouragement, um, contentment, confidence in Christ. And here comes, the, here comes the fourth one, appreciation. Listen to what he realizes he's talking about his own sufficiency in Christ, but the, the subject is really them. He says, nevertheless, you have done so well to share with me in my affliction. And you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek the profit which increases to your account. Now, if you could see the language that he uses here, it's strict business language. It is what he uses for, for giving and receiving, literally in the Greek, is credits and debits. It's like a, like a ledger sheet. And what he's saying is, I, I have partnered with you in kind of a business deal, but it's not about the business deal, it's about the relationship. I love it that we're partnering together in ministry. And I think this glorifies Christ, is what he's saying. That's the important part. It's not about what we do together. It's about how close we are. I want to tell you, I, uh, I need to apologize to you also. Um, as the elders are taking a wonderful responsibility and saying that some of you have been, feel like we've gone too fast or, or haven't understood and, and you feel like we've been, uh, you've been ignored. I'm, I'm supposed to be the communicator of this thing. And I have not done it very well because I don't know all the details. Um, and, and I've really tried to balance and so on and so forth, but pff, I, I am sorry. I'm sorry. And I want to tell you that what is important is we're together on this thing. I want you to know we're together on this thing. And, and you, everybody has whatever they need as far as time, the space to agree, disagree. It, not everybody has to have the same position. It, it 
I don't know if a building is going to be a God, God's next step here. I really don't. That's, that's up to what he says to you. It may not be. I only know that God's next step for us is going to be his perfect step for us together. That's what I know. And so whatever move that takes toward the character of Christ is going to be his perfect development of us. It's not about the building. It's not about the project. It's about the relationship. And so please forgive me. I, 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 am a, I do get driven. And boy, once I, I'm just, I've always been that kind of person. You ask my family, I'm good for about 10 minutes of conversation in the home. And then we're going to do something together. Uh, and that's who I am at home, and that's who I am at the church. And, 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 and I've, seen, I've seen a lot of churches that have, that have faltered because the leaders wouldn't lead. But I've also seen a lot of churches that have faltered because the leaders wouldn't listen. And I don't want to be of that second category. I have no danger of being in the first, faltering in the first category, but I do have a danger of faltering in the second one. So, so please know, we're, this is at our pace. This is at our relational pace. And the great thing about a distributed church is it's built relationship by relationship, not project by project. So, so whatever God is telling you, you just be obedient, and then God's step will be taken. That's the point of this whole thing. And Paul was saying, we're in this together. That's the glory. That is really the appreciation that Paul had for his relationship with them. But here is also the very last and very important point. It's not just about our relationship. It's about what God designed us to do together for others. Because the character of Christ is not just about appreciating one another. The character of Christ is the walk in faith that benefits people beyond ourselves. That is who Christ is. One who benefited others beyond himself. Look at what he says. Verse 18. But I have received everything in full, and have an abundance, and am amply supplied, receiving from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. That is the picture of Old Testament worship. In a minute, we're going to see... Old Testament worship, as those of you who God has spoken to are going to come down and, and, and put the commitment cards in these, in, on, on these uh, uh, um, offering platforms. And, uh, and, and, and by the way, when that happens, I want you to know it's okay just to look around and appreciate people doing that. Jesus did that. If you're ashamed of that, you don't want to be holier than Jesus. And Jesus, it says in Mark chapter 12, verse 41, he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the multitude were putting money into the treasury. And so it's okay because you know why? When you observe that, what you're observing is a walking testimony of God speaking personally to people. Because that's the only people that are going to be doing this this morning. People who have heard from God. So it's a great testimony. But here is the larger point. The larger point is... My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, let me tell you why those last words are so important. You see, most of us walk in fear that our, our needs won't be met. And so many times you'll hear people say, My God shall supply all your, riches according, or all your needs according to his riches in glory. And they'll stop there. Which is basically saying, you don't need to be afraid because God's going to give you all you need. 
But if you don't add the last three, three words, you miss the point. The point is in the character of Christ. In other words, God says to us, I will give you what you need to give to others like I would. I will give to you what you need to give to others in the character of Jesus Christ. That's the point. We live our lives to glorify God. Not to, not to gain human honor, not just to do good things, but to glorify God. And therefore, the character of Christ is always to be looking outside to give to someone what they don't have. I, I, I love the story, and I'm gonna, I'll close with this. I love the story about the pastor. True story. West Coast pastor went to New Guinea to, to visit one of their missionaries. And he got to New Guinea and... and uh, and he was talking with this missionary, he says, how it's going? And the, and the guy says, it's very, very difficult living here. There's no way to get food except uh, for gardening, a little hunting, a little fishing, but that doesn't really get you much. Only the gardens really, really produce and feed the people. And we're not talking, just talking about us, it's, it's the natives too, that's what they have to do. And, and so he says, well, how's the gardens going? And he's going, for the Christians, it's going very well. And there were only a few Christians at that time. He says, Really? And he said, yeah, come here, let me show you something. So he took him to, a, to the, a mountain where he could see various gardens. And he says, Christians pray over their gardens. I want you to see if you can pick out which are the Christian gardens. And the pastor says, is that one? The missionary, is. The missionary said, yep. He looked a little bit. He says, is that, no, is that one over there? Yep. Is that one over there? Yep. And the, and the pastor says, man, that is so cool. He says, I can really see why you pray over your gardens. And the missionary said, no, you can't. And the pastor said, well, sure I can. It's so that they produce fruit. And the missionary said, no. We pray over our gardens so that our gardens will produce enough that we can give to those who haven't learned to pray yet. That's the point. That's what this is about. It's not about a building. It's not about gathering. It's not just about building relationships. It's about giving because that's who Christ is. We can never stop short of that. Pray with me. Lord, as we are about to enter this time of wonderful worship, we pray that you will consecrate our lives. Accept these gifts as a sweet aroma. These commitments, accept them, Lord, uh, as, as just our appreciation of you and our uh, gladness and rejoicing of being able to, to share in ministry together. Uh, but Lord, make this a time when you build our faith and build our love and you give us those dividends of eternal life that we can use right now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're going to go into a, into a, a, a neat, and, and it'll be plenty long enough, time of worship. This is a time of worship, and it's a time when, if you have those cards, oops, I just lost a missionary's card. Um, if you have those cards, um, you, can, you can take it out, and for those of you who God has said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take that out. It, it, there's a part of it that detaches. Mine's a tough one. Um, so that you can keep a record of what you said. But in this one, write your name at the top. That's your consecration. That's your personal devotion. 
And, and then fill in what he has said, whether it's amount of money, whether it's a weekly offering, whether it's, whether it's goods. I love the kids are bringing their stuff. They've, they've prayed and they've decided to bring some games that we could sell to put in a building. Man, that's fantastic. You may have some goods that God is saying, I want that. You, you give that to this, to this cause. But whatever it is, um, make this a time of worship. You have plenty of time to fill that out. And then during the singing, uh, if you would come down and put it with the rest, uh, and th- that would be wonderful. Let me also invite um, those of you who are doing that. You can come singly or you come, can come as families. Or if you've already given your, um, your cards, your, your commitments, uh, as some of us have, or you just haven't, you haven't uh, heard from the Lord yet, or you're a visitor, pray for the folks that are coming down. Just sit across from the treasury like Jesus did. Observe. Say, thank you, God, for that. Thank you for the devotion. Thank you for that. Or if you'd like, you can come down and just kneel and pray at the altar uh, just during this time of worship. Okay? Let's go to the Lord right now.